Hey, welcome to the Revo Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us today, wherever you are. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's message. You know, as I was worshiping just now, I thought about this passage. It's in the New Testament, and it's actually, it's where, um, where Jesus is kind of walking through the crowds, and he's got all these people following him. And there's this tax collector, there's this, this guy by the name of Zacchaeus. He's, he's this kind of like a rotten guy in, in his time. Nobody liked him, nobody wanted to be around him. And this, this guy, Zacchaeus, he's a short man. The Bible says that he's a short man. And so to be able to see Jesus walking through the crowds, he literally climbed up a tree and he's looking at Jesus as Jesus is approaching everyone. And Jesus, here's Jesus walking through this crowd. I mean, thousands of people around him. And he literally notices a man sitting in a tree and he sees the man sitting in a tree and Jesus calls him by name. He says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. Zacchaeus comes down from the tree and he has this encounter with Jesus and Jesus tells Zacchaeus, he says, hey, tonight I'm coming over to your house and we're going to kind of have a little party together. We're going to break bread. We're going to talk. We're going to do this thing called life. And and the Bible, if you fast forward a little bit, the Bible uh, goes and says that at the end of that meeting, at the end of that relationship that Zacchaeus and Jesus had together, it said that Zacchaeus laid it all out there. He, he gave his all to Jesus. He gave his life to Christ. And he said, I will go out and I will repay what I took. I think about that story because I think a lot of times in our lives that we can be wanting this encounter from God. We're interested we hear all the stuff happening in our friends and our family. So, so it strikes this interest. It struck Zacchaeus' interest. This is the guy that I keep hearing people talk about. It struck an interest. And I think we can go through our lives where it strikes an interest in Jesus. But sometimes, instead of allowing Jesus in our home, allowing him in our heart, allowing him in our situation, allowing him in our storm... We kind of just look from afar. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is noticing you. He's calling you by name. And he's saying that I want to have a relationship with you. Don't just notice him. Don't just hear about him. But lay it down. And I love that song. Here I lay my burdens down. Here I I lay it down at the feet of the cross. I lay it down to you, Jesus, because when you give Jesus a little, he gives you a lot. And how many of you know that when we can bring our burdens to him, the Bible says that cast our burdens upon the Lord and he'll relieve us and renew our strength. So Father, this morning, as we dive into your word, as we, as we, Bring ourselves to a posture of surrenderance, a posture of praise, a posture to receive all that you have for us. Father, I pray that you would speak to the hearts and minds of every single person in this room. Whatever it is that's blocking them, distracting them, whatever it is that is preventing them to allow you in. Let it not just be we see you from afar or we get a glimpse of you or we hear about you, Lord. But let it be a morning where we truly surrender our everything to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 
Amen, amen. Come on, why don't we give God some praise one more time? Well, before you have a seat, why don't you high-five a neighbor and tell them, say, welcome to church. Welcome to church. We getting down. Well, I want to um, go ahead and, and give you a little update. Um, today, we, um, you know, I had a, a message that I was going to preach this morning and, and really kind of felt a different route or, uh, earlier on in the week. And so I, I reworked this message. And um, I want you to know that this message, I believe that if we truly, 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 if we receive what it is that God wants to speak to you in this message, I believe that it can really begin to help us through a lot of different areas of our life. And so I want to start off really with some crowd participation. Can you help me on something this morning? Is that, is that cool? Can y'all help me out a little bit? And so I want to ask this question. How many of you in here with a show of hands, how many of you in here are married? Just you're married married. Oh, wow. That's a lot of you. Come on. Oh, girl in the back. Hey, girl. Hey, look at my girl in the back. Hey, Mariah. Baby Tallulah. I love you, girl. <laughs> um, you know, you're married. Okay. How many about this? How many of you in here hope to one day be married? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. Look around. Look around. Scoping and hoping. Scoping and hoping. <coughs> How many of you in here with a show of hands hope to one day walk out on your family? I got you on that one, didn't I? Threw a little, little curveball in there. How many of you in here one day hope to have an emotional affair? No one. Oh, wow, it's a tough crowd. Here, here's why I asked that question. Almost no one plans to wreck a marriage with sin but people do it every day. Almost no one in here plans to wreck their marriage, but it happens every single day. Why? Here, here's, here's the truth, is that when you get married, you get engaged, right? Let's walk this process out for a second. You get engaged. Man, love is in the air. Everything is through uh, rose-colored glasses. Like, oh, you got no flaws on you. That was, wow, did you see that spit just there? Don't sit in this. this is a spit zone. Wow, that was a lot. You, you see everything through rose-colored lenses. I, I can't tell you how many uh, times I've literally sat with people in their marriage counseling, you know, premarital counseling, and I'm like, you know, what is it that you love about this person? Oh, they're awesome. <laughs> they're awesome. They're amazing. It's amazing. I love them so much. It's the best. What do you love about them? Their eyes. I mean, their eyes are just beautiful eyes. It's amazing. But no one, no one plans to wreck their marriage with sin, but it happens every day because here's the truth. You get to the altar and you say your vows and your I do's, but life begins to kind of take you in different directions. Life begins to make you drift. Life begins to make you think differently. Life begins to make you look at that individual differently. Life has this way of pulling on us to the point of where we begin to make decisions that actually end up in the long run wrecking our marriage. It's difficult to build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. 
See, the impact or the, 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 the decisions that we make today, when we go through life, the decisions that we make today and what we choose today, how we act today, all the decisions that we make today actually impacts all the areas of our lives. I mean, I mean, think about like a decision that you would make today. You would realize that if I make this decision now, it will affect me later. A lot of times is those decisions that we make, it impacts the areas of our life and it also impacts the area of our marriage. That's why in Genesis it says this, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. The Hebrew uh, root or the Hebrew word for shame comes from this word called bush. And it means this, it means to be ashamed, to feel completely worthless. I don't know about you, but there's been many times in my life that I have felt this shame, worthless. <clears throat> Adam and Eve didn't feel anything. They were both naked and they felt no shame. Why? Because when Adam and Eve were formed, you know, God formed Adam and then he formed Eve. What God told Adam and Eve is he says, hey, I want you to go and be fruitful and multiply. God begins to tell Adam and Eve, he says, everything that you see is edible. Everything that you see, you can consume. I want you to name all the animals. I want you to name everything that you see. You put a name on it. There's one thing that I ask of you. Out of everything that you can do, there is one thing that I ask of you. And that one thing is do not eat the fruit from this tree. Don't eat the fruit from this tree. And for those that know the story, you know how it goes. But for those of you that might be new to the Bible or new to this whole church thing, let me kind of break this down for you a little bit. Is that Adam and Eve, man, they, they felt no shame. They were walking around. Everything is all good. And then one day, there was this serpent who comes up and begins to entice Eve and say, don't you want to eat the fruit? Don't, don't you want a little bit of that? And so Eve eats the fruit of this tree and then gives it to Adam. And then all of a sudden, they begin to look at each other a little bit different. They, they begin to notice some parts on one another. They're like, hey, I didn't notice that there before. What is this thing? Adam and Eve, they begin to look at one another a little bit different. They begin to see one another a little bit different. And that's what it says in Genesis chapter 3. It says this, it says... Then the eyes of them both were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings from themselves. That's when Adam said that someone needs to wear the plants in the family. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no? Great. Anyway, Adam had a sense of humor. He didn't really say that. I did. But uh, they made some coverings for themselves. But the Lord God called to the man and he says, where are you? Hey, hey, hey Adam, where, where you at, man? Where, where, where are you? Adam answered. He, he, he says, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. 
I was naked. I was afraid. So I hid. What what happens in this moment is there begins to have shame on Adam and Eve. There was was shame. At one point, they were walking in freedom. At one point, they were walking and there was no shame. At one point, they were having the best times of their life. But then on the other hand, they begin to eat the fruit. They begin to dive off into this temptation, so to speak. And now they have shame. Now they have, man, I'm, I'm seeing something a little bit different. And so now they're trying to duck and dodge God. And isn't that how it happens a lot of times in our life? I mean, if you were to take the Bible and you say, okay, well, well, Charles, man, that is, that was so long ago. So long ago. I mean, break that down practical for me real quick, Charles. I mean, okay, yeah, Adam and Eve, man, you you don't walk around naked anymore. Well, kind of do, depends on what country you're in, but you don't walk around that way. You're like, I don't understand. They were naked. So what? Who gives a crap? You know, like, what's the big deal about walking around naked? Well, a lot. Let's break this down. For those that have kids in the room, you can relate to this comment. If you see your child and your child has just got chocolate all over your face, you can ask your child this question. Hey, have you been in the Oreos? No. You you hadn't eaten any Oreos? Uh Uh-uh. Not me. Nothing. All the crumbs on you, on your face, you, you hadn't eaten anything. No, mama. No, daddy. Okay. Or, or take it a step further. You know, we, we're potty training right now. And so we have Ren, our oldest daughter. Uh, we're potty training right now. And so there's a lot of times where Ren, you, you'll be looking for her. And she's like, man, where did Ren go? Where did Ren go? And then you find her. You literally, you'll find her under the table. You begin to find her like behind a curtain. You kind of begin to find her somewhere else. And you're like, hey, baby, you need to go to the bathroom. And you make pooping. Oh, no. Are you sure? Yes. What's she doing? She's hiding. There's there's a hiding that takes place there. And we can think about it and we can look at children and we can actually think, oh, this is really cute. Yeah, we're talking about kids. How cute is that? How innocent is that? But here's here's the hard truth about what I just said. Because even as an adult, we can do the same thing. Here's the hard truth. The hard truth is I can go up to you today and I can walk up to you and look you in the eyes and I can ask you this simple question. Hey, how's everything going on in your life? It's great, Charles. Pastor Charles, man, it is amazing. Really? It's great. It's good. I had a conversation with an individual uh, last week and I said, hey, how's everything going? Oh man, work is great. Everything is great. Really? Well, let me, let me ask it and take it a step further. How's this point situation in your life going? Oh, oh, um, yeah, about that. But we do this. I mean, would you agree to that? We, we, we do this to ourselves. There can be myself, your pastor. I can come and ask you something. There can be your spouse who you're doing life with. There can be a close friend that says, hey, what's, what's the struggle in your life right now? What are you really dealing with? How's your head? How's your heart? Oh, man, listen, if I was any better, if I was any better, I, I mean, I don't even know what I would do. 
we hide. And it's just like a child, just like a child. Hey, you, did you eat the cookies? No. Do you need to go to the bathroom? No. And what happens is we begin to hide and we're not there. We're not honest with people. We're not exposing. We're not transparent with people. And what happens when we, when this, when we go through all of these things, what, what begins to happen is we're hiding because we're feeling something called shame. It's not that I don't want to tell you. It's just that I have shame with it. It's not, it's not that I don't want to open up. It's just that I want to have, I have a little bit of shame with it. We, we hide because we find ourselves feeling a little bit of shame. And what's happening in this time and what begins to happen, happen is that we do something wrong and we feel shame. So what does shame do? What shame does is it's Satan's tool of connecting the what to the who. It's connecting the what to the who. Charles, what do you mean? Okay, we go out in life and we begin to make these decisions. We begin to kind of indulge in something. We begin to practice something. We begin to kind of just take a leap into the no man's land. We begin to make some bad choices in our life. And as soon as we make the bad choice in our life, now the enemy comes around and says, oh, because you did that, the what, now that is just who you are, the who. Because you fell, because you chose to cheat, because you choose to look at this, because you choose to dive into this lifestyle, because you chose to do that, that's just who you are. And the enemy will play this all day long in our minds. Because you did that, that's just who you are. So what do we do? When that happens, all we do is we begin to walk around with our heads down and we walk around in life and we're feeling this sense of shame. I, I just, there's no way I can let her know. I mean, if, if I open up about this, I mean, what will she think about me? If, if I tell him that, what will he think about me? I mean, I don't, I don't even know. If, if I go to my pastor with this, will he kick me out of the church? Will he look at me differently? There's a shame that begins to take hold of your life. And I'm telling you today that the Lord never wanted you to walk around in shame. It is the enemy's tool connecting the what with the who. Can I relieve a lot of you in this room and take this off your head and remind you real quick, you are not what you did. And you're not what your parents did. And you're not what your spouse did. And you're not what someone labeled you as and told you you would become and say, you know what? Well, because they are this, you must be that. Because they did this, you're going to become that. You're not any of those things. That is a label and a tactic of the enemy that says this is what you did or they did. So this is who you are. It's not who you are. It's not who you are. The word of God says that you were beautifully and wonderfully made. The word of God says that you are a royal, a royal priesthood. But too often we walk around. Man, I just, I got to lock that up. I, I got to put that in the vault. I'm going to take that to my grave. There's no way. 
can begin to open up this. And here's the reality, is that secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. Secrecy. Man, it is the enemy of intimacy. Why is it that so many marriages are failing? Secrecy. Why is it that so many marriages are losing their intimacy? Secrecy. Why is it that so many marriages are like kind of just like roommates and like, yeah, man, okay, you do your thing, I'm gonna do my thing? Secrecy. Secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. Over these past few weeks, you know, we've been in this series called Modern Romance, and I, I kind of want to break it down for those maybe that missed a few weeks and stuff like that. But week number one, we talked about this. I promise God will be my first priority. He's my first priority. And my spouse will be my second. What does that mean? That means that as a living being, as a, a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, my first priority, it is Jesus. When I wake up in the morning, it is not to serve my spouse or my family. When I wake up in the morning, the very first thing that I need to do is make a connection to the living God. Maybe it's five minutes, two minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you have. God, I, sur I surrender my heart to you. Fill me up. Let me walk afresh in you today. And then your spouse is your second. Number two was, I promise I will always pursue my two. What does that mean? That means every single day, you need to write a letter, text her, him, get some flowers, bake him a cake. Come on, hold his hand while he's driving. Pursue one another. You know, start something. Anything, ladies. Which brings me to my third point. Last week, we talked about God honoring sex. Oh, it was so beautiful. God honoring sex. What does that mean? It means that my spouse is there to please me. And ladies, I know you're like, I hate you for that. But here's, the, here's what the Bible says, that you are not your own. You're not your own. Husbands. Learn to love your wife sexually by what we call an NST, non-sexual touching. Just rub her back, brush her hair, paint her nails. Do anything non-sexual. Ladies, we talked about pursue your husband. Make a move, any move, anything. I shared with you that Mariah sent me a text message. I still have the text message. It's in writing. <laughs> I'm going to try to let her forget and bring it up maybe next week. Be like, you sent me this. Yeah, you did. I don't know. Today, I really want to end this, this talk with you because here's what I want to share today. And I, I really felt this this week is that I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. Ephesians chapter five, it says this. It says, for you were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. See, whenever we come to God and whenever we bring ourselves to him, 
we are spiritually made new. You know, the Bible says that whenever we confess our sins to him, he comes into our lives and the Holy Spirit dwells on the, on the inside of us and we're spiritually, we're made new. We're, we're one with him. But we can, we can be spiritually made new, but still struggle. We, we can be spiritually made new, but still be bound. I've said this before. We can be strong believers of Christ, but we can still be bound to something. That's why a lot of times, you know, it's, it's hard as Christians because we're, we're still struggling and we ask ourselves the question like, God, why don't you deliver me from this? Why, why don't you heal me from this? Why don't, why don't you set my mind free from this? Why? Because we're still bound. We're bound to the darkness. We're bound to decisions. It's, it's not like, you know, we just live wild out for 30 years and then the drop of the hat and one day we surrender to God and we're not going to deal with those thoughts anymore. We're still bound. We have to renew our mind. The Bible says to take captive and renew your mind daily. We have to purge everything that we did for years. I'm 43 years old. I lived wild for 23 of it. At 43, I still remember what I did 23 years ago. I still remember people from 23 years ago. I mean, there's a lot, there's a constant renewal that has to take place so we can be spiritually made new, but sometimes even as a believer, we can walk back into the darkness. We can walk back into the darkness. How many believers do you know, you don't have to point or raise your hands, but how many believers do you know that have messed up? A lot. I'm one of them. We, 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 we know people. We know pastors that have fallen. We know friends and family members that confess to be one thing, but you still see them kind of fading out every now and then, just going back to the darkness. And when we go back to the darkness, you know, it's a shock. It's like, bam, it just kind of hits you in the face. You're like, whoa, I would never do that. But when you're in the darkness long enough, you begin to get adjusted to the darkness. Think of it this way. When you go into a movie theater, it's bright outside. Oh, I can see everything. Wow, that's awesome. You go into a dark movie theater and it is just black. Give me a second, I can't see. We'll stumble over the steps, we'll run into somebody. So you, you kind of like, you ease into the dark room just a little bit, just slowly. And what happens is, is your pupils begin to open up to let more light in so that you can then begin to see. So then you're just walking around the darkness like you are the light. Like, oh yeah, I can see you. I can see you. Like, hey, what's up, man? I can see you up in the top corner. What's going on, man? Long time no see. What happens is, is we get adjusted to the darkness. Can I gently say this to some of us in here today? As Christians, we have stepped back into the darkness and you don't even realize it because you've been adjusted to the light. As believers, does that, does that make you bad? No. Does that, does that make you a horrible person? No. Does that make you, oh, this is just who I am? No, remember that's a tactic of the enemy, connecting the what to the who. It's not who you are. And I'm here to tell you today, you're so much more than that. That's not who you are. It's just you, you, you've just wandered. You, you, you didn't hang on to something that was solid. 
You didn't stay connected. You didn't stay plugged in. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't really find your, your, your footing, your foundation. Well, I go to church here and I, I'm out there and I might go to this and I might go to that. Maybe I'll read and maybe I won't. It, there, there's no solid foundation. And so when there's no solid foundation, we find ourselves just kind of sliding around life like, oh man, yeah, life is hard. Well, let me just grab onto this real quick. Maybe feel good for a moment. Guess what? Every time we grab onto something that's not of God, it brings us back to the same mindset of shame. And here we are again, just walking through life with our head down, just wondering like, I guess, I guess it's who I am because I keep going back to it. Again, it's not who you are. You just haven't grabbed a hold of Jesus long enough. You haven't stayed connected. Well, the Christianity thing, man, is boring. It's not fun. I got to go to church. I can't listen to that music. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't, I can't dance because dancing leads to sex. What? What? Let me tell you guys, since I've been a believer, I've had more fun than ever. I've been in more places than I could have ever imagined going. I've met more people. I've done more crazy things than I could have ever imagined. I've lived in countries that I never thought I'd live in. I've been held at gunpoint. You call that fun? No, but it was awesome. <laughs> I'll tell you that story one day. It's crazy. But here, here's the thing. We, ha we have to get out of the old way of thinking about Christianity. Christianity is not hard and rigid and doom and gloom and, well, how dare you? And you can't do this and you can't do that. No, Christianity is not about rules. It's about a fellowship of Jesus Christ. It's a relationship that he died on the cross for you and I so that we get to experience all of life. Not miss out. Not miss out. But when we have a mindset of I can't and I don't and I... Well, maybe in this, we, we, we grab just whatever, just, just bring it into my life. And then it's like, where am I? What am I even doing right now? We never find healing in the dark because shame grows best in the dark. Shame grows best in the dark. Where does mold and mildew grow? Dark places. Places that are concealed, places that are tight, places where there is no air and light getting to it. We have to find our place and it's not concealing and shutting up any longer, but it's confiding in those that we love and those that can help us. I want to tell you a story. It's kind of embarrassing, but it is what it is. And, uh, and if you know me long enough, you know that I don't really care. I'm just going to kind of be real and authentic real with you and um this was this was some time ago where i had let my mind drift i just as as a believer as a pastor as a christian i, I just kind of let my mind drift and i found myself in this place where I, I was i was being bombarded by all of these temptations it was like man i i'm being tempted by this i'm being tempted by that i've got this thought i've got that thought and i mean all of these things were hitting me all at once and i actually found myself really kind of fantasizing about these thoughts 
I found myself just thinking, oh, well, man, that might be good or that could be nice. Or, you know, like I found myself fantasizing about these thoughts. And here I am in one point of my life where I'm, I'm over here and all of the thoughts begin to accumulate. All the thoughts begin to just bombard me. All the thoughts are just like, man, yeah, this would be awesome. This would be fun. You know you need it. You're stressed. All this stuff's going on, man. Just, just, just dive into it. It's going to relieve you. It'll give you a reprieve and just boom, 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 thought, thought, thought. And it just, it really took over my mind. And I literally begin to think, wow, what would that be like? But what would that be like? And then for whatever reason, I know now it, it was the Holy Spirit just, bam, just slapping me really fast, really quick, just a judo chop to the spiritual keister. You know, it was just like, boom. It, it's like I woke up and I was like, oh my God. Like, like, like I just went there in my head. I, I, oh, wow, I, I don't even know, man. What, what am I going to do? I, I, whew, I can't believe I was thinking that long on this. And I had to, I had to come to this, this thought of, I need to tell somebody. I need to, I need to open up. I need to expose this. And so I, I went to my wife and, and I, told, I told my wife, I said, man, I got I to gotta talk to you about something. And I don't know about you men or really even women, but there's moments in our lives where we think something or we're doing something. And there's a point where you, you know, I need to say something. There's a point where you know, it's like, man, if I don't say something now, man, it's, it's going to get me in some trouble. So you have one of two options. You can either follow the spirit and say something or you can continue to hide it and I had these thoughts like man what would my wife think like would she look at me and be like how could you how dare you am I not good enough for you you don't love me anymore how could you be thinking these things I'm thinking in my head like I'm kind of scared I'm a little bit of afraid I don't know if I can tell my wife this stuff come on you know what I'm talking about I, I just don't know I, uh, man this one's a tough one and I thought, man, I got, I got to say something. So I begin to talk to my wife and I begin to tell her, man, this is what's going on. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. This is what's happening to me right now. With fear on the inside of me, afraid of what it was that she would say, she completely proved me wrong. She began to say, how can I help you? What, 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 Charles, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? It was not what I thought. You don't love me anymore. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not satisfying enough. It wasn't what I thought she would say. She actually proved me wrong and said, hey, what can I do to help you? How can I serve you? What do we need to do to get through this? I want to I ask this question. Are you a safe place for your spouse? Are you a safe place for them? Because you, I think we all know you can't control what goes in your mind. You, 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 can't, you can't control the thoughts that come into your mind. You, you, there's no way of controlling the thoughts. Matter of fact, the thoughts aren't sinful. Some of us in this room, they might think, well, man, I'm sinning because I have this, this thought. No, the thought is not sinful. It's what you do with the thought. It's when you act on the thought. 
So, so are we a safe place for our spouse because we're having thoughts that we really can't control? Hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm wanting to do this. I'm wanting to look at this. This is a thought that I'm having this. Are we a safe place to be able to present that to our spouse? Because if we're not, guess what? Someone else will be. Someone else will be. Because there are people all around us at your job, in your neighborhood, your neighbors, even your close friends that are a welcoming, safe place for you to talk. Oh, she won't listen? I will. Oh, he doesn't care? I'll care. And if we can create a safe place for our spouses to be able to meet those needs, I'm telling you right now, the secrecy will begin to dissolve. Remember, secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. And the reason why we are so secret, the reason why we hold things back, the reason why we're not willing to communicate and talk to our spouse like we once did, is because we are afraid of what they may say or do. I wanna challenge you today, guys, that you need to become a safe place for your spouse. Go home today, open up to one another, repent to one another. We, we talked about that several weeks ago, that we need to repent and then we need to begin to turn the other way. You need to say, I'm sorry I haven't been a safe place for you. I realize that there are thoughts that you may be having that you can't control. So I'm sorry that I have not been a safe place for you to open up. So so that we can have intimacy with one another because there has been secrecy, it's divided us. But now that there's no secrecy, it's uniting us. Secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. <clears throat> How do we stay pure? Psalms chapter 119. It says this, the band can come on up. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? It's by living according to your word. It says, I seek you with all of my heart. I do not, uh, uh, do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I might not sin against you. How do we do that? Man, we have to seek God, our passionate, pleasing God with everything that we've got. We have to be pure and want to be pure. We got to stop. We got to stop holding back all of these things. You know, I heard this pastor tell me this. This was years ago. He, he shared this thought with me and I was telling him about some things that I was struggling with and dealing with. And he said, man, I, I want to tell you this exercise. I want to I want to present this exercise to you. He said, um, he said, whenever you find yourself in that position, meaning you find yourself over here, you, ha you hadn't gotten to the line yet because you know, we always, human nature always says, hey, how close to the line can we get? How far is too far? So, so human nature, we want to get to as close to this line as possible. But he says, when you're over here, and things start happening. 
your mind starts to drift, your mind starts to wander. When you're over here on this side, this is an exercise that I want you to do. He said this. He said, think ahead and visualize what it will mean and what it will cost you. Think ahead and visualize. What will this mean? What will this cost me? Can I tell you that I've had to do that several times in my life? Several times in my marriage with Mariah. Think ahead. What does this mean? What will this cost me? I'm going to tell you what it would cost me. It would cost me losing the ability to pastor you. It would cost me the, uh, the ability to speak into your life because then you would no longer trust me. It would cost me and mean that I upset and I broke the heart of God, that I would have to answer to him one day. It would mean and it would cost me that some of you and those that follow outside of these walls, follow what it is that I preach, it would cost me and it would mean that you would walk away from your faith because how could a pastor do that? It would mean it would cost me that I would lose trust with my wife. It would mean it would cost me that how could she look at me the same again? It would mean and it would cost me my children. That they wouldn't be able to look at me as their father and their pastor. It would mean and it would cost me losing everything. Why? Because secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. If I want to be intimate with my wife... There's no secrets. If I want to be intimate with the Father, I confess. And that's why many of you in this room, you know this. You know that if I'm, if I'm ever talking to a female more than just kind of like a basic text, then my wife is on that text thread. You know that you'll never see me out eating with a female by myself, driving in the car with a female by myself. And if you do, you better let someone know. It means that I've put up these parameters. I've put up these guardrails. I've put up all of these different things in life. Why? Because I don't want to break the heart of God because he's my number one. I don't want to lose the trust in my wife and my children because she's my number two. I don't want to, I don't want to break the heart of this church and lose trust in you. Why? Because God has called me and anointed me to preach the gospel and to reach out and to love those and to help those, to help restore hope and to build futures. I have to think, I have to visualize, I have to count the cost. And I know many of us in this room, listen, myself included, we have made decisions in our life that have brought us to shame. But it wasn't until I began to open up, I began to confess, I began to confide, that's where I began to find healing. And it doesn't matter what you walk through, it's not who you are. It doesn't matter what you did, it's not who you are. There's many, many, many stories in this church where there's restoration that has happened. And there's going to be many, many more as the years to come. So how do I stay pure and living according to God's word? How do I keep intimacy? Well, you break secrecy. You no longer hold secrets. You begin to confide in your spouse. You begin to confide in someone that you can trust. And you got to remember, God is my one. 
My spouse is my two. That always, that you will always pursue your two. That you will always have God honoring sex. And that you will confide, not hide. With every head bowed, every eyes closed, I want to ask you this question. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or anything. But you're in here today and you begin to ask yourself this question as I've been speaking. What is it that I've been hiding? What am I not confiding? What is that thing that I've been kind of putting in the vault, sort of speaking, not wanting to bring up because I'm afraid of what people may think of me or what my spouse may think of me? I want to remind you and say it again, you're not what you did. And today you don't, have to, you don't have to walk around in shame any longer that, that I believe that the Holy Spirit is here and He's wanting to lift that shame off of you. He's wanting to breathe a fresh wind, a fresh anointing. He, he wants to restore the marriages back to what they were, that they were in the beginning. He wants to restore that hope and that dignity back into your life. What is it that you're hanging on to? And so we're gonna go into this song and I want you to just sit there. If you're with your spouse, just grab their hand. We're going to go into this song, and I want you to receive the anointing that comes off of this song. I want you to receive everything that God has for your life. Because when we confess to Him, and when we say, you know what, I want, to, I want us to, I want, I want to begin to confess to you, God. I want to begin to open up, have the... I want to be able to have the, um, the strength to open up to my spouse. Great things can happen. So let's worship him and receive everything he has. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. If you've made a decision today to follow Jesus for either the first time or the hundredth time, shoot us an email at info at Revo Church FL with the subject line, I've decided. And let us know where you're listening from because we want to celebrate with you. Check us out on our socials at Revo Church FL to stay plugged in with what's happening within our community. And we believe it's going to be your best day ever if it's your best day spiritually.